Welcome to China Tech Talk, the almost weekly podcast about technology and startups here in China. I am John Artman, editor in chief of Techno.com, joined as always by Matthew Brennan, founder of China Channel.、Um, so, Matt, we've we've been away for for a little bit of time,、uh, Spring Festival and and all that stuff. But now we're back, and I'm really excited、uh, because we're getting、uh, Daniel Ahmad back on the show. So we've had、uh, Daniel on previously to talk about、uh, gaming in China, and、uh, we have him on again this week. Really, a perfect storm、uh, in my in my mind. You know, Nico, they just published a report, even though they're always publishing reports, and、um, and I just published a piece about gaming as well. So I think that. I mean, there's there's a lot of attention being paid to the gaming industry right now, and、uh, in particular about、uh, about the regulations.、Um, and so I think Daniel Daniel was really cool because he's able to come on and really kind of break it down for us, like what exactly is happening with the Chinese government and and gaming these days. Yep, definitely. Daniel and Nico, our partners, are one of the authoritative sources on Chinese gaming. So. Having them on is 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 a pleasure as always, and we had him on ages ago. I mean, it was like a year and a half ago or something like that. It was quite a while back. So we're covering completely different content today. Regulation、uh, up front is is definitely the, the 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 big topic in gaming these days,、uh, but that is dying down. And but there's a lot lot of stuff going on. You know, gaming is a is a very、um, fast changing area. So、um, you know, there's always things to talk about. Yeah, exactly.、Um, and so, of course, we talk about、uh, gaming regulation, but then we also go into some of the、uh, some of the games that、uh, that Tencent, in particular,、uh, has been publishing. Some of the、uh, the grief that they've had because of the,、uh, the 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 effective moratorium on、uh, on gaming approvals, but then also looking at Steam and、uh, and mini games,、uh, mini games in WeChat, and of course in in Douyin. And and I think I mean like Steam. Steam, for example, is a really interesting case of of a company that's been in China for quite some time, operating in China for quite some time, but definitely in a gray area. And now it's time for them to actually start、uh, start being、uh, compliant. And、um, I want to give out a shout out、um, to my friend Charlie, who helped with some of the questions, because Charlie's、uh, we've actually had Charlie on the podcast、uh, as a guest as well. Down in Chengdu, and、uh, give, say thank you for 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 that. And、uh, actually, they have a podcast,、uh, Chengdu Gaming Federation, I think it's called, which is actually quite good. And if you're into gaming, you should check that out. Definitely, and we'll have that、uh, in in the show notes if you want to、uh, check that podcast out. But with that, we give you Daniel Ahmad. All right, well, Daniel, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having me back on. So、um, we we've had you on previously. You're one of those guests that、uh, that I've been itching to have back on for quite some time.、Uh, but just in case, you know, we have some new listeners,、uh, people who are subscribing to the podcast for the first time.、Uh, could you just give us a quick introduction,、uh, who you are, and and what you do? Sure. So、uh, I'm currently working as an analyst for Nico Partners. We are a market intelligence firm that covers the China and Southeast Asia. Games、uh, market, games industry.、Uh, we've been doing that since two thousand two now, so we've got about seventeen years' experience actually tracking the China market. And we added Southeast Asia countries a bit later. But, but yeah, in general, you know, we we just kind of、um, track the market. We we put out reports every year that that get market size and figures. But a lot of what we do is also demand based research. And we've also been following, as everyone has really, the the. Regulatory、uh, environments and changes that have been happening. I think that's a a big topic、uh, that everyone is talking about. I think that we're going to be talking about a bit more 
today as well. Yeah, definitely. But um, but Nico started off mostly um, covering China. Is that right? Yeah, in in, in two thousand two, we we started with China. We were the first company to put out uh, a baseline study on the China games market, and then in about two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, we started covering Southeast Asia uh, and also Taiwan is included in that. We we separate Taiwan and China because they are two unique markets and they operated very differently. So it, it's it's good to sort of know the difference between the two. Definitely. And and I, I think it's it's one of those things, um, I think this is really perfect timing. Like I said, we've wanted to have you back on for quite some time. Um, and, you know, just, just for reasons, uh, we haven't, but this is actually just a perfect storm because uh, you guys just published uh, a report about the gaming industry here in China. I just, I just published uh, an opinion piece uh, about it, of course, also quoting you. And so it's always it's always good to have you on because and and to, I mean, I'm really glad that you know that Nico is around because honestly you guys are I think pretty much the only uh, consistently uh, credible uh, source of information about what what's happening here. And I'm not trying to like you know you know blow smoke up blow blow smoke or anything, but I think it's it's actually true. Like when I was doing research, there's 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 so many facts and figures out there, but at the end of the day, you guys are the ones that like if you're saying something, I I, I take it I take it for granted that it is true. Well, I think that's a testament to just how long we've been actually tracking the China market for. As I mentioned before, we, we were really the first company to actually research the game market before it, before it exploded into what it is today. Uh, you know, back when it was hundreds of millions versus billions. And uh, I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons that I joined the company as well, because the, the folks on, on China uh, for myself is it's, a, it's really a passion that I have. And so we always are on top of what you know, what's the latest news, what's the latest uh, changes, and, you know, how companies can sort of find success in that market. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, uh, one of the big, the big, big story right now is uh, is regulation. So starting last year, there was a reshuffle um, in the uh, in the government apparatus that deals with gaming. Uh, and of course, one of the, uh, the big victims, you might say, uh, has been Tencent. Mm-hmm. They've just they they you know they they operate um, a lot of different games, including hits like uh, Player Unknown's uh, Battlegrounds, which we've discussed here on on uh, this podcast previously, uh, as well right. as as Fortnite. They own a controlling share in Epic Games, which is which is which makes uh, Fortnite and is actually now competing with Steam, which is really interesting. But before we really kind of get into you know the the details about Fortnite and PUBG, can you just paint us a picture? of the regulatory environment that we're dealing with in China and and maybe also give us an idea of like why it's been taking so long to kind of get get these these gaming approvals moving again. Right, so so gaming regulations as a whole and uh, gaming regulators have been a part of the China games market, you know, since its inception. So there's always been uh, a regulator to sort of um, monitor and, and well, I guess regulate the market. And so... Uh, the more recent developments going back a decade for PC games is that if you want to publish a PC game in China, you have to go through, for a foreign company especially, you have to go through a Chinese publisher and you have to have, a, have the game approved and issued a license before it can actually be published and distributed and monetized. And the same applies for mobile games since 2016. And there's been other regulations on top of that around sort of uh, game addiction, monetization, game distribution... And the big change last year uh, was in April when a new a new regulator was introduced. And the main difference here was that this regulator was under the direct control of China's publicity department, their propaganda department. Uh, 
And that was really to to sort of better shape the face of gaming regulation in China, um, but also to create a more streamlined approval process. And so a number of reforms took place last year. And because of that, there was this temporary game approval freeze where no games are being approved because that reform is going on. There are a number of bureaucratic reasons as well, but generally, but, but overall that, that process took about nine months. And in December, game approvals restarted. But the issue now is, of course, there's that massive backlog from the nine months when games weren't approved. And so even though games are being approved now, there's still a wait for publishers and sort of a bit of uncertainty around when they will get a license just because of that disruption that we've seen in the industry over the past year. Right, right. That kind of leads into the next bit. It's like, so we've got this huge backlog right, of games, mm-hmm. like absolutely massive. It's thousands, isn't it? It's like something like, uh, uh, what, 3,000 or something? Uh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, most estimates put it around three to 5,000. Right. So thousands of games. How long is this backlog going to last? You know, the games that have been approved so far, yes, there's been there's been Tencent games in there. Yeah, there's been NetEase games in there. But we haven't really, to, to my knowledge, seen a, a big, a big, big title, you know, like like Fortnite, PUBG, mm-hmm. come through yet. Um, we know that there's been also a lot of uh, talk about, you know, Tencent made a lot of changes, not just, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the regulations changed, but also they've kind of, it's quite clear they've switched their focus to making games that are more educational and more in line with like the, right. what the uh, the, uh, the government feels is appropriate for, you know, uh, this type of entertainment. Uh, more, more things that are sort of aligned with, um, you know, productive use of time, as it were. So can, can we really see that this, uh, you know, when can we expect the, the big titles to come through? Um, is there any you know, implications longer term with the regulation as to like for titles that are, are, are violent or bloody or have, you know, like shoot them ups or whatever, you know, what, what are your thoughts here? So in, in general, uh, the, the backlog itself was being cleared out in chronological order. So games that were submitted for approval in March 2018 will more than likely be approved before games are uh, submitted in uh, September 2018, for example. And so what that means is, is that, yeah, there is going to be a, a long wait if you're submitting a game today, uh, or if you submitted your game in December, for example, because there is that whole nine months where nothing happened. And so that's probably going to take, we estimate maybe about six months to clear out. I think there will be reasons as to why it's a bit shorter. Uh, the first one is the regulator knows that there is this, this backlog and they are working on ways to clear out as quickly as possible. Uh, the second thing is there, there have been a few changes to the types of games approved, as you mentioned. But I think actually the biggest one that, that no one thinks about or mentions is uh, poker and, and mahjong games. And so those games in particular, I think if you look at 2017 approvals, you know, 3,000 out of the 8,500 games uh, were poker and mahjong games. But because of how the regulations have changed around that and those applications are are no longer allowed to to be approved if they use, for example, real world money, or they have you know backdoors that allow uh, cons- uh, gamers to use real world money in the gambling uh, aspects of the game. Then they won't be approved. And so now, actually, the number of poker and mahjong games is less than one percent in in twenty nineteen uh, that have been approved. So that's a that's a huge chunk of of titles that just won't receive a license. And that does lower the number a bit. And, and again, there are other reasons as to why that number will be a bit lower. Another reason being China is now clamping down on uh, copycat games, so games that infringe on the, on the copyrights 
of other publishers uh, will no longer be approved, which is a good thing overall. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's ways that this backlog will be cleared a lot quicker and there's, there's ways that this backlog will be uh, cut down uh, from what it seems like. Because, yes, you can look and say, you know, there are 3,000, 5,000 titles, but the likelihood is, is that um, not all of them will go through and then the regulators also working to sort of go through them as, as quickly as possible. So, so, but, but the thing is, I mean, like, so, because one of the big, the big areas, again, is uh, PUBG and Fortnite. So, for example... Mm-hmm. Both of these games are out. They're they're published, but yep. Tencent can't monetize them until they get approval. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, so 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 is it so it's possible for uh, a publisher to to release a game, but without a, without this approval, they're not able to actually make money from it. Is that is that right? Right. So it's effectively the same as launching you know a beta or an alpha uh, in the in the West, and so. You can, as Tencent have with Fortnite, for example, they've released the game, but there's just no monetization uh, in it. And so they would need to get approval, as you say, from the regulator to to do that. So looking at the current uh, list of approvals that have taken place since December, Tencent and Netties have been in that. They haven't had huge games in that. But I think uh, one game to point out, for example, is Perfect World. Perfect World um, is, is a game actually developed by Perfect World Interactive, the company make a game that is the same name as them. Um, it's essentially a core RPG, and that is being published by Tencent in China. And so that game is approved. So it, it shows to us in these thirds, yeah, there, there are big games being approved and, and there are games coming out uh, that are more traditional in that sense. And so there isn't sort of this um, block against, you know, RPGs or, or games that are have some violence or whatever. So yeah, big titles are being approved, they are coming out. And I think really, if you look at PUBG or, or Fortnite specifically, the, the concern around those games um, is down to, uh, one, the type of games they are and, and sort of the, the things in the game such as violence or, or, or the, the morals that they uh, represent. But also for PUBG specifically, there was an issue a couple of years back where if it was a South Korean uh, title, which, which PUBG is because it's developed by Bluehole, uh, then the likelihood of it being approved was uh, essentially zero because there were tensions between South Korea and China at that time uh, due to, um, I think, a missile system being installed by the US and South Korea. And uh, so for PUBG, the the issue right now is whether that uh, is still something that China's given really to consider, which I don't think they would do, and when that will then be approved. Um, and to be honest, it's really hard to give a exact date or time period for PUBG. Uh, and I think that people shouldn't expect it until maybe the second half of 2019 in terms of getting an, an approval. Uh, but it's really hard to say, yeah, it will certainly be this time. Right. So like once all of this is over, once all of this backlog is done and this, this, reg- this sort of uh, very atypical period um, of, of regulation in China is has passed... The long-term implications I'm hearing from you are you basically, you know, games that are infringing copyright are, are going to be, you know, find it much harder. Obviously, there's a big thing, as you've mentioned, with poker games and gambling, things like that. Is there anything else that's sort of a longer-term implication of, of, of this change? So in uh, China's regulator set up a online games ethics committee last year. And essentially, it does the same job it's always done, which is... Uh, monitor games that are submitted for approval for 
anything that sort of uh, violates China's kind of constitution or ethics or social values. So, for example, games that are excessively violent or, or that, um, you know, promote drug use or whatever it is or violate China, Chinese law uh, will have a harder time being approved. I think, that, you know, it's, it's worth saying that this has always been the case and there isn't anything specifically new about this, just that there may be uh, more specific uh, actions around it. So, for example, in the past, we've seen that in, in certain games, blood has to be changed from red to green if a game wants to uh, be approved. Um, and that hasn't actually been communicated before. Uh, it's just something publishers have, have sort of uh, done and then China's uh, regulators have, have approved it. But I think now with this online games ethics committee, we'll see a lot more sort of like a spec sheet that publishers can look at and then sort of understand as to what will and when won't be allowed in games. So that'll be, it's certainly a stricter uh, sort of take on things, but at the same time, it also gives a lot more transparency and, clar- and clarity to game publishers so that they'll be able to create games with those sort of values in mind. The other main thing is that China has always been very uh, big on sort of addiction, both around gaming and the internet in general. And so one of the new kind of policies that we've seen in the past year is an anti-addiction uh, policy and sort of system being implemented in mobile games, which is something that we didn't see in, in mobile games before, but it is something that we did see in PC games uh, back in 2007. So, uh, Daniel... Right, a bit of question, bring it back to like the actual present moment right now. Mm-hmm. It seems we've got this new title, Apex Legends, which is it's getting really hot. Yep. And we've heard that like Tencent is negotiating with EA, who are the publisher of this game, to bring it into China. What's what are your thoughts on this? Are the you know, is that does that make sense to you? Are these just rumors? Uh and, and then again, like in terms of what would be the implications for this game for monetization given the current environment? Okay. Well, I mean, the, the Battle Royale genre as a whole has been a global phenomenon for the past year or so since, uh, uh, well, certainly since PUBG came out. PUBG has been very popular in China. It's on Steam itself. It's received 15 million uh, paid downloads. That's 15 million people who have actually paid uh, $15 just to play the game, which I think is uh, extremely impressive given the fact that whenever someone speaks about China, they all say, oh, they only play free-to-play games. But actually, this is a this is a buy-to-play, a paid game that has done extremely well there. The mobile version of the game, even though, yes, it's not monetized in China, does have 100 million active users plus uh, playing the game. And uh, Tencent has been very quick to secure the rights to as many Battle Royale titles as possible. You know, they, they now have the rights to publish PUBG in China, Fortnite, um, H1Z1, which is a original sort of Battle Royale game. And then in addition to that, they've introduced Battle Royale modes for... Crossfire Mobile and Call of Duty Online, but then they've also self-developed their own titles such as uh, Glorious Mission, Glorious Mission, which is a mobile battle royale game, and then Ring of Elysium, which is a PC battle royale game. And they actually introduced a uh, battle royale mode in Honor of Kings, which is their hit uh, MOBA title. So you can see by the seven, eight titles that are listed, that Tencent is very, very interested in in this battle royale genre, and they've been doing all that they can. So, so it's really no surprise that. Then I was speaking with EA regarding Apex Legends because, uh, one, it's another Battle Royale game, but two, they also have a relationship uh, with EA for FIFA Online. So there's already an established uh, partnership there. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it's certainly... The game itself, Apex Legends, is a very social game uh, because it's uh, about working together in teams of three, which is similar to sort of a, a MOBA title in, 
in general, and then also the characters have their own abilities. So because of that, you know, it's something that resonates with the Chinese market. We've been tracking the game since it came out, and it's performing really well on, uh, you know, Douyu, for example, which is like uh, Chinese Twitch. And so on there, it's actually already higher than Fortnite in terms of the number of viewers that are, that are watching the game and streaming the game. Uh, which is really impressive. It's, it's not as high as PUBG just yet, but then that's because PUBG is actually on really a whole other level um, as a battle royale title in China. It, it's the most popular one, without a doubt. But yeah, I mean, for, for Apex Legends, it, it certainly makes sense to bring it to China. I think Tencent will do everything they can to bring it to China. As to whether it will be released officially this year, uh, that is hard to say. But I think it really depends on when the backlog is cleared out and then when new games start being approved. But I think, you know, Tencent will want to have it done at least by the end of this year. But for now, um, gamers in China can just use Origin, EA's Origin, to access the game and download it. The game supports simplified Chinese already, so that's already a plus. And then if um, if gamers use the Hong Kong Origin store, they can actually use Alipay to, to, buy, the, uh, to buy the Founders Pack or in-game items. So, yeah, it's, it's not too difficult for gamers... Uh, in China right now to to play the game. The only issue, of course, is the slow download speeds and, and lack of local servers. Yeah, I, I mean, but also, I mean, like, you know, you just mentioned uh, the popularity of, of PUBG, and I think, I mean, that's that's kind of one of the questions in my mind, is that, you know, with the, the regulatory approval slowdown, uh, with other games becoming popular that Tencent may or may not distribute, or they might not have any um, any hand in the China operations um, at all. I mean, like you know, is is there is there a threat of kind of PUBG losing its pop, its popularity and Tencent losing that opportunity? Because I mean, like you know, it's it's I'm sure that they've not spent a little bit amount of money on getting PUBG in the country. I mean, you know, it was already really popular. But at the same time, I mean, there was there's still there's still investment that they put into the game that they're not really able to 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 make a return on. Right. Yeah. For, for Tencent, it's, it's certainly an issue. PUBG is, is is the game that's the biggest issue for them purely because it's it, because of how large it's gotten. You know, with the mobile version, there are a hundred million plus people playing uh, the game uh, regularly, and I think it's I don't want to say daily, probably monthly users. Um, and so, you know, that's a lot of people to play a game, but they're not paying anything in it. And there is certainly a chance that, you know, another maybe local battle royale title, for example, maybe one from Netties would do better, and PUBG might lose its popularity in the future. But, um, yeah, that's certainly a risk. But, but I would say that Tencent is a lot more um, uh, able to sort of weather the storm at the moment because whilst, for example, PUBG isn't approved, they also have, uh, for one, a, a very strong um, back catalogue uh, legacy title lineup. Honor of Kings being the biggest, but then at the same time, they because of because of how large Tencent is, they always have games in the approval pipeline, and so you know they they have or they had you know thirty forty plus games that were approved and that they could release uh, during this sort of temporary game approval freeze time. So whilst it's not all the games that they wanted to put out, they have still been putting out brand new games. So for example, they worked with the EA for a new Red Alert. Come on, a Conquer game that came out last year and was fairly successful. It, I think it was like the top five, one of the top five grossing games for it during its launch month. So because of that, and because they have this really strong pipeline, and they still have games that they can release despite um, disapproval fees because they've already been approved in the past. Um, Tencent does have the ability to still 
launch new games and monetize them. But really, yes, the, the question is, what's going to happen with these biggest games? When are they going to be uh, approved and when are they going to be monetized? I think that's the big sort of um, concern and sort of where the uncertainty, uncertainty comes from. Yeah, but but again, I mean, as you said, I mean, like it's it's definitely going to happen. Um, it's just a question of when. And I mean, if I was if I was Tencent, I'd be. I mean, I would have I would have already pulled all of my hair out over uh, PUBG because I mean, you know, PUBG it was supposed to be you know the a done deal. You know, it's the obvious thing. You bring in this this amazingly popular. I mean, not not just global, but also in China. You know, this grass like the grassroots, extremely popular game. Everyone loves it. And yeah, it's, it should it should have been easy money for them, and then it's turned out uh, to be to be quite quite the opposite. What you know, like they've just kind of missed a wave, right? You can think of it like this, like, and there's not right. too much they could do about it. Um, and there'll be another hit title that comes along. It's just uh, before it was Honor of Kings. Now you're in sort of the PUBG wave. There'll there'll be a new wave come out. Maybe Apex Legends will be it. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, there's not much they could really do. And um, yeah, it's interesting. What, what, what I find is interesting, like the battle royale category seems to be, you know, gaming in general is very volatile. Um, you know, it's hits driven industry, really, in, in, in some respects for like the certainly for the big titles. And, and, and this battle royale category seems to be, I don't know, at least from my perspective, to be super volatile. It's like it started off with PUBG was super popular. Now Fortnite, at least uh, abroad, is is more popular. I think rather maybe not so much in the Chinese market, but still yeah. quite you know a, a, a big title. And now we've got Apex Legends coming up. All of a sudden, you know what's going on here? What is it? If you could break down, obviously it's very complex, and and maybe it can't be summarized easily. But like, what are the driving forces for these? You know these three titles that seem to all you know be very very popular. We know a bit about. I think we've covered on the podcast before the original innovation about how the the sort of battle royale title came out with Blue Hole and what they did. But you know, what, what what's going on here? Why are these three the the big ones? And and uh, is there some logic to why they're so popular? Yeah, I think certainly when you look at the core gameplay loop itself, uh, that's one reason as to why it, it is extremely popular. And I think that's something that you you know discussed before. But but the, I think the two big factors is the. Uh, the competitive element behind it, and then also the social elements behind it as well. And those really are the two main driving factors behind the popularity of Battle Royale games. And what we see at least is that, you know, whilst Battle Royale games are, are played by those who engage in games at the moment, it, it is also an additive genre really to the to the games market. And it's actually driving further growth on top of what we already see. So it is bringing in new players as well. And I think uh, bringing Battle Royale games to, to mobile has really helped with that because, what well, you know, let's use PUBG again as another example. So on, on PC, yeah, it's, it's got 15 million paid downloads in China. And then the, the PC version from Tencent had a roughly the same amount of pre-registrations. But in, um, but on, on mobile, you know, this, this game uh, genre has reached over 100 million people actively. But if you look at something like Knives Out from Tencent, uh, sorry, Knives Out from Nellies, uh, that's reached over 200 million uh, downloads already. So the the opportunity for Battle Royale games on, on other platforms that aren't just PC and console is absolutely huge. And it's driving this um, sort of new player base in, into mobile games, but also gaming as a whole. Yeah, um, 
I love games. I think, <laughs> I think, <laughs> sorry. Um, so I guess, I mean, you know, we're talking a lot about uh, the overall gaming industry, but then as Matt said, I mean, you know, it, it really is a hit driven uh, industry. Certainly there's, the, it's what's really cool these days, um, is, is all the independence, but, at the same time, you know, we we, we really we, I mean it's it's like it's like Hollywood basically. It's a similar model in a sense. But you know, Tencent has has long been working on um, on games. Uh, you know, NetEase as well. Uh, Tencent. I mean, you know, Honor of Kings was was a huge hit for them. It continues to perform very very well, uh, but it hasn't done very well outside of China. Uh, I think at, at when it was when it was actually uh, localized and released, it was you know. There, there wasn't, you know, an overwhelming, um, overwhelming response to it. Certainly, it, it hasn't done poorly, uh, but definitely not, not seen the same success as a PUBG, for for example. So, right. do you do you think that we're ever going to see, you know, a Chinese-made global uh, smash hit? Uh, I definitely think we will, and and I think that either it's something that's already happening, or, or something that we're not too too far away from. You know, I think. Over the past year, we've certainly seen, and even even before that as well, we, we've seen a shift from Chinese game publishers who focus, you know, one hundred percent internally to those that are now developing games with the the global game, the, you know, the worldwide games market in mind. And a lot of that has to do with the the temporary game approval freeze that took place, but also uh, that you know it, it is getting a bit harder to to acquire users in China in terms of the cost. And so going overseas is a, is a good way to sort of solve that and to reach a, a broader and, and, and different audience. And you'll find that, you know, even going before last year, there were games that, you know, NetEase, for example, with Onryoji, when they launched into Southeast Asia, found huge success there. And again, to use NetEase as another example, with Knives Out, their Battle Royale game, uh, it's a mobile Battle Royale game, but it, it's doing extremely well uh, outside of China. Uh, Japan being the biggest market for the game, which is, you know, fairly surprising because Japan's mobile market has, has always been very sort of uh, internet and closed to foreign games and developers. But the fact that there are multiple games now from Chinese publishers doing well there is is, is very impressive because that's something you just wouldn't see normally. Yeah, it, it's only going to take some time because I think at the end of the day, Chinese publishers are always going to look and, and try and serve the China market first. Um, but then when you look at games, for example, like Knives Out, which is based on sort of a global trend and the Battle Royale trend, you see that they are slowly shifting towards uh, games that really do appeal to a much broader audience and aren't just, uh, you know, this is a Three Kingdoms game, this is a Journey to the West game, uh, which I think is what you saw in the past a, a lot more. So, yeah, it's it's only going to happen, it certainly is happening, um, and that's just uh, because there's more focus on going to overseas markets and being able to target target overseas gamers. And then on top of that, you've also got all these Chinese uh, companies, game companies, investing in um, game, overseas games companies. So, for example, you can go back as far as Tencent and Riot, but then also Tencent Supercell, Tencent, uh, sorry, NetEase and, and, for example, Bungie. So, whilst they're not officially Chinese games, uh, if you want to give it that, that label, but, you know, they are funding uh, those those developers and publishers to to create games that can succeed both both in the West and in China, and I think that's something that we will see more of as, as a trend as well moving forward. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, in terms of, I, I agree with you, Daniel. In terms of, it's only a matter of time, I think, before we see. You know, in two thousand eighteen, I think we saw content space with, with basically TikTok, uh, but also a lot of other right. content yeah. based apps um, break out. Absolutely, gaming. Yeah, it's it's gonna happen. 
which is funny because actually, um, I think you guys read about this as well, but, you know, TikTok now has uh, minigames in its China app. So, you know, uh, I think a lot of people see that, yeah, they can do really well in content or e-commerce or entertainment, but, uh, you know, gaming is such a big market that no one can really ignore it. And so that's why um, TikTok in China now has um, a gaming part. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's very recent as well. It's quite, you know, it's very early days for many programs in, in TikTok, uh, right, certainly. Yeah. Um, but but actually, that was one of the questions we've got, so we might as well just cover it now while we're talking uh, about this, uh, which is, you know, the WeChat minigames uh, mm-hmm. platform, which if you remember back, or oh, when was it, at the end of 2017, I think it was, yeah. was when Jump Jump uh, became, you know, just a, a viral hit across China right. and everyone was playing it. And it had some crazy amount of like 100 million daily active users yep. at some point, something like that, which probably made it one of the most played games in the world at some point. But since then, how have mini games gone in your mind? Uh, has the platform lived up to its potential? You know, what are your thoughts in general about WeChat mini games today? Uh, well, in, in general, the platform is doing fairly well. It, it's got 400 million active uh, users, players uh, playing mini games. And I think really minigames is, is an extension of sort of casual web games that we saw on PC, but able just to reach a, a much larger audience. And certainly a um, an audience that maybe hasn't played games before and that isn't really into jumping straight into Honor of Kings, but is looking to be eased in. Uh, you know, because the, the good thing about minigames is they can really just be played by tapping the screen or swiping. There's, there's really nothing to it. So anyone can pick it up, anyone can play it. And uh, there's been a few other examples that have done well and, you know, Tencent have now implemented advertising and um, uh, also monetization in, in a few of the games. So, you know, it is starting to pick up and really it, it's a, it's become a global trend. So it's not just Tencent now, it's also Facebook with their instant games platform. And then when you look in China specifically, everyone is, is really seeing the benefits of having some sort of mini game, mini program built into their super application. So... Um, yeah, so TikTok being the most recent example, but, you know, even uh, smartphone manufacturers are working together to create their own, so many applications, and then Alibaba has done the same. So there are a lot of, um, uh, even Baidu as well, so there's there's a lot of uh, companies that are sort of jumping on this trend and, and looking to take advantage of it, and it's certainly boosting the hyper-casual segment. Um, I think ultimately we will see that these type of games do bring in a new audience and that audience then progresses on to mid-core games and, and hardcore games in the future. And I, I think another interesting data point is that, you know, half of the people that are, are playing these games are women. So there's a lot more female gamers entering the space. And uh, whilst that's always been the case on our mobile, um, I think that, you know, it, it, there's a lot more opportunity and we've seen them in the past year where um, games uh, like, for example, Travel Frog or Love and Producer have done really well uh, among sort of the female dem- demographic. But uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they all go. But my outlook is, is sort of, you know, it's a positive thing. It's growing the market and uh, it's uh, it's something to, to suddenly watch and look into, especially if you're, you know, maybe like a HTML5 developer, game developer. Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the most fascinating things about the uh, the mobile game revolution in in particular is that is you know the space for for casual games. Um, you know, years and years ago, right. when I used to subscribe to gaming magazines, there was all these conversations about creating games for women and and things like that, and that was you know uh, 
the time of the iPod when the iPod Color came out or something like that. Um, and so, you know, this like the area getting getting women on board, you know, half of half of the population on board to this industry has been a challenge for for many many years. But it really does seem that that mobile is kind of what's what's fixed all that, uh, which is really interesting. And even you know, for for a while there, I don't I don't know uh, about current statistics. But uh, for quite some time, you know, even looking at Honor of Kings, more than half of users uh, were female. Um, there was, you know, there was uh, Tencent put on a, a big show, a big conference a couple of years ago, showcasing uh, showcasing Honor of Kings, and they even had like an exhibition match between some uh, professional uh, Honor of Kings um, teams, and they were they were all women. Uh, so it's really kind of cool cool to see that. And I think it also just goes to show perhaps differences in in preference as to what types of games uh, men or, or boys and men tend to be attracted to, and um, and women and men tend to be attracted to. Uh, excuse me, women and girls tend to be attracted to. So you know, as I as as we mentioned earlier, you know, um, Tencent uh, owns uh, Epic, and Epic just launched their uh, their games uh, distribution platform, which Fortnite is going to be uh, done through. Um, in, in it, there's 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 a lot of uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of news about about that for various reasons that we don't need to go into. Um, but also, you know, Tencent also has also has Wii game as well, and then and right. then now Steam is trying to um, trying to come into China. So so what do you what do you make of these uh, these these platform plays? I mean, Steam globally has been the the market leader for a long long time. Personally, like I have so many Steam games in my and I have so many games in my Steam library. It's ridiculous. Um, and I imagine it's true for 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 a lot of people. But where does Steam stand, you know, globally against uh, against Epic, and then how do they stand uh, in China against Wii Game? Right. So, uh, I mean, the first thing I will say is that we actually published a report on premium games uh, at the end of last year, and so we uh, projected that you know by twenty twenty two, the premium games market is going to be uh, about a billion dollars in, in total. Uh, at the end of the day, yes, that is. Uh, Compared to the forty billion dollar plus by that time uh, overall market, yeah, it's, it's it's a small number, but it's also a, a huge jump from what it was just a few years ago. And a lot of that is really down to platforms like Steam in China, which have become so big. There's you know almost forty million uh, active accounts now um, on Steam from mainland China, and a lot of that has been driven you know originally by like games like Dota Two. But then also games such as Grand Theft Auto, uh, PUBG, certainly the, the biggest one in, in most recent memory, and other sort of big AAA titles, a lot of which are actually inaccessible, uh, in China, sorry, are actually officially banned in China or don't have an official release in China. I think that's another appeal of Steam. The, uh, Steam, Steam is, is certainly still the, the biggest PC game distribution platform, but it, it has a ton, of, a ton of competition, not just in China, but also in in the West from AAA publishers who are creating their own distribution platforms, so Origin, Uplay, um, EA, sorry, uh, Blizzard.net. And then there's also, you know, small indie uh, distributors, but then also now, as you said, Epic Games has entered the market. They've been doing a lot of uh, work to get as many games on their platform as possible, mostly as exclusives. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot more competition. Looking at China specifically, uh, Steam is now looking to enter China in an official capacity because they've always been operating in a bit of a grey area. And honestly, uh, if you just look at the regulations in, in China, they should have been banned a long time ago because 
they are distributing games without, without a license. So this new version of Steam that, that's coming in uh, will require all games to um, acquire a license and, and you know, go through that approval process before they can be distributed on the Chinese version of Steam. And that will certainly have some downsides in terms of games like Grand Theft Auto will just not be able to pass. They will not be able to be on that platform. But because Steam is still accessible, at least right now, the international version that is, there are still plenty of opportunities to to buy these sort of premium games on there. It just remains to be seen what happens to the international version of Steam in China and whether this new version, once that launches, whether China's government will then block the international version or not. So there's still a bit of uncertainty there as to what exactly uh, will happen. Well. Sorry, so it's, it's, it just strikes me, I mean, like similar to, to what Apple has done, you know, uh, to be compliant, if you, if you have, if, if you have a, a Chinese payment method, for example, or a Chinese billing address, then, then you will be restricted to the, the Chinese, the Chinese version of, of the Steam, of the Steam client, it seems. That seems like the, the most obvious thing that, I mean, the most obvious way this is going to play out to me, at least. Yeah, that, that that certainly makes sense because it, it's it's what um, Steam would do in order to to comply with regulations there, um, and I think that's a worry for Chinese gamers because they might not be able to access the international version of Steam as easily as before, and so they might not be able to play all, all the games that they want. And I think whilst Wii Game is is, is certainly growing in China, the, the biggest issue they've had is again just getting games approved, getting games on on the store. They had about eight games published last month on the store, which is you know, compared to, I mean, I can't give you a number for Steam, but I think, what, there's 7,000 games released each year on, on Steam, roughly. And um, the fact there's only eight games on, on Wii Game in the past month shows the difference in terms of scale that Wii Game has with Steam. And, and that really just comes down to the, the regulations and, and the approval process and just how publishers will need to tweak their game to comply with regulations then go through this lengthy approval process. So... Whilst that certainly will impact the buy-to-play games market, uh, what we have seen is that there are other titles that can succeed from a buy-to-play business model without being on Steam or Wii Game. Overwatch being a big example of that, which sold 6 billion uh, pay units at $30 each. Um, and then also PUBG, which, yes, it was on Steam, but as a whole, it, the only distribution platform would have, would have performed well. What's your thoughts on why is Steam being allowed to be in this grey area for so long? Well, what's going on here? Why have they not been blocked? Why have they not been regulated? Uh, usually, if if the company or the, or the platform is sort of small enough, uh, generally they don't get blocked until they become big. Uh, you see that with stuff like Twitch recently, for example. Uh, even like Facebook and, and Google had similar issues where it wasn't until they sort of started picking up steam and, and getting uh, much fun. But when when they um, sort of you know got, got to that place where they were quite big in, in China... Was when they, when when they were um, looked into and blocked, but then also you know Steam works with sorry Valve work with Public World to publish Dota and uh, Counter Strike in in China, and so they use that platform and service to publish and distribute the game and host the game. Uh, so I think that would also be a part of it, uh, because if you shut down sort of Valve and Steam, then those games aren't accessible. So it's um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that space, just because there's, you know, Steam has been operating in that grey area for such a long time, and now there are actual changes coming in where 
there'll be a China version of Steam. It'll have to abide by the regulations. So what happens next is uh, uncertain. Yeah, I think it's funny, because for me at least, um, Spring Festival tends to be one of the only times where I get like good chunks to actually play any games. And so, of course, I'm on Steam. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I noticed was that this year they, they had this uh, Red Packet event yeah. promotion thing. And, 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 and and I think it's the first time that they've they've ever done it. And so I thought it was super interesting because, like, it's all in English. Uh, at least, so my 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 client is all in English. Uh, even though I usually mm-hmm. I usually connect to their um, to their mainland CDN, and the entire promotion was was in English. It was for an international market. I looked and read it, and people were comparing numbers and like saying, "Okay, like this is how much I've gotten, and what a ripoff, and it doesn't make any sense." <laughs> um, but but I, but I thought it was really interesting because it really does show that that they're starting to introduce you know Chinese Chinese elements that that while on the one hand you know they're they're still in a pretty good position here in China you know as as the regulatory um, as they start to really shift strategy here that they that that mm-hmm. you know localization is going it could could actually be an issue yeah I mean red packets I think is is it's the first time that they've done it. But prior to that, you know, they've always had sort of Lunar, Lunar uh, New Year sales and uh, other sort of promotions on China. And then in general, you know, they've they've supported China through uh, localized pricing, uh, lo- promoting localization uh, in terms of simplified Chinese, and then uh, introducing sort of um, uh, payment methods, local payment methods, so Alipay, Tenpay, for example. Uh, so they've, they've been making moves over the past few years to really support the China market, and, and a lot of that is just because the user growth there has been, uh, you know, very rapid and very fast. And like I said, there's almost 40 million uh, active accounts there in, in China. And going back even a couple of years ago, that was closer to about 20 million. Um, so, you know, it's doubled in, in such a short amount of time. Okay. Um, well, I think that's, I mean, Matt, you want to talk about consoles? Yeah, we've got one last question there about consoles. Uh, I, I'm not, you probably... Okay. Why don't you ask it, John? I don't know that much about consoles, to be honest. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a console guy. Well, I mean, the, the only console that I've really been following is the uh, the Nintendo Switch. Um, but, um, but yeah. I mean, I do play some of these games, right? Like Red Alert Online, I played it. Uh, I thought it was terrible, by the way. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I did try and play it. You know, and Honor of Kings and all that lot, of course, I'll, I'll play that. But, you know, consoles, I, I haven't played a console. In, oh, man, like the SNES? I don't know. Wow. Like, that's probably the last console I played. Wow. Yeah. I had a so I had a I had a 360, an Xbox 360 um, that that uh, that I bought uh, here in China before before it was before Xbox was officially allowed, uh, and it was great because it came totally jailbroken. You know, you just it was it was it was like it was like oh, DVDs yeah. back in the day where you pick up a game for like 10, 10 renminbi or something like that. Um, now that's not the case. Um, on the one hand, you know, both both uh, PlayStation and Microsoft have uh, increased their anti-piracy measures, so it's really difficult, uh, and and perhaps even, I mean, you even run the risk of, of bricking your your expensive console if you try to modify it these days. Um, so so you know, but in but in China, I mean, it was really kind of fascinating to watch uh, consoles because for, there, for a long long time there was this great market uh, for you know PS3, uh, Xbox 360. And then with uh, with PS4 and Xbox One, they finally got regulatory approval to uh, to be sold. But they don't seem to be doing all all that well. Is that is that is that an accurate statement? Yeah, it, it's an accurate statement. I think um, you know they're certainly doing they're certainly growing uh, over the past few years because you're right. There was this uh, there was no official 
console marketing trend prior to 2014, 2013, because there was a console ban in 2000. And yeah, I, I think that the main issue really is just the barriers to entry for the console markets. You know, with, with a smartphone, it's, it's ubiquitous. Everyone has one. Mobile games are free. On consoles, this could be obviously you need to spend upwards of, you know, $300, $400 just to get a console. Then, um, you know, 50, uh, $30, $40, $50 for a game. Uh, maybe there's an online subscription you have to pay for. So, you know, there's, there's all these costs that, that add up. And then on top of that, you know, China's never really had this huge console culture. It's always been a very, uh, niche thing. Um, and then also, uh, in terms of just the, the society and culture itself has never really been based around, uh, TV gaming, uh, or even TV in general. I don't, I mean, I don't want to say that, but, but yeah, TV gaming is certainly the best way to put it. And so that's why you'll find the, yeah, PS4, Xbox One are out, and they're doing okay, but they're not, they're not huge. I think actually one console to watch is Nintendo Switch, because whilst it's not officially available in China, from what we can see, um, uptake has been fairly, fairly good in Asia already. And I think a lot of that comes down to the um, fact that it's not just a static home console on your TV, it is also a portable device, which is region-free, and it allows for social gaming on the go. And I think... Nintendo Switch is more better positioned to find success in, in certainly the wider Asia market compared to maybe home consoles. Yeah, uh, and it's just it's just funny because again, I mean, like before before they were really released, there was all these really wacky uh, Chinese consoles that were coming out, just either total total knockoffs or just you know just not 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 very good. And I guess actually just kind of one last question. So, so we've talked about VR with uh, Alvin uh, from HTC Vive previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one of the things that he mentioned was, was 5G. Uh, and right. so like in, in, in the Technode WeChat group, 5G has been a pretty hot topic. Um, I keep seeing 5G come up all over the place. So I'm kind of curious. I mean, like, you know, when it comes to to gaming, you know, is the killer application for 5G v, VR and AR, or or is there something else? Uh, so yeah, 5G is going to be commercialized uh, this year, next year, uh, in China and most countries. And for gaming, I think you know the biggest thing that it could uh, bring. Yes, AR and VR is part of it, but but I think cloud gaming as a whole. So both streaming games, but also running games in the cloud could uh, definitely be sort of, I don't want to say kind of app, but will certainly be a, a useful application for it. And I think cloud gaming in general is going to be an area to, to watch over the, the next few years. So for our listeners who aren't, aren't familiar with cloud gaming, if we just like a, a, brief, a brief summary of cloud, the, 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 uh, the concept. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's, there's two basic concepts. One is that um, you essentially stream the game from servers to a mobile device. So, for example, um, whilst mobile devices are extremely powerful, they are not able to run, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2, for example. Uh, and that's a PC console game. But with cloud streaming, you can essentially stream the game like you would with Netflix, where you stream a TV show or YouTube to, to the mobile device and then play it on there. Uh, and that's similar to what we see in terms of with PlayStation Now. Uh, which all exists, but then Microsoft has announced their xCloud platform. Google has their, their, I forgot what it's called, but Project Stream, that's it. That that project, and then there's the three Chinese companies that are also looking into that space as well. The second concept is essentially running parts of the game in the cloud to um, offset some of our local device processing. 
and to to sort of run more complicated processes off the device and then provide a better experience for uh, for the user. So an example of that would be Microsoft's latest game, Crackdown 3, where uh, they, they're able to increase the amount of disruption that you see on the screen because that disruption is being processed not on the console itself, itself but externally through the cloud. Yeah, I remember. I remember that uh, the streaming, cloud streaming, was um, was something that uh, was pushed quite some time ago uh, on live. I believe the service was, and it, it completely flopped. Right. Mostly due to uh, home connections, if I remember correctly. Just the, the the connections at home. I mean, so so the the pipes the pipes were usually big enough. The servers were usually okay. It's just that the the actual home connection where people were were um, you know had their computer interfacing with the rest of the internet just was not good enough for uh, for that service to continue. Absolutely. And, and I remember, and, and, and Nintendo has been experimenting with that. There was, uh, if I remember correctly, Resident Evil Seven uh, mm-hmm. was. Um, well, one of the reasons it was released for the Switch only in Japan was because a lot of the a lot of the game was actually being streamed over an internet connection, um, and I understand that they are exploring more more of that. Again, it, you know, not not so uh, not so not so relevant to China necessarily, but I think that you know the, that that game streaming for over five G. I mean, the thing is with five G is that you know it doesn't work inside. <laughs> so so one of the the, the big issues is going to be, of course, you know, okay, so. You you have all this bandwidth, and how are you actually going to get it connected? So when people are outside, they have AR glasses or whatever. Okay, fine, um, but it doesn't go through walls. Uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't move indoors very well. So it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of technical solutions, maybe just repeaters or or something like that. I'm not technical enough to know uh, what what the solutions might be. Um, but Matt, I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've had a good one this one. So, uh, well, cool. Um, well, Daniel, again, as always, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Uh, if people want to find you online, where where can they do that? Uh, they can find me probably at my Twitter, which is uh, DrugoEx. I think you'll have it linked in the description, right? Definitely. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, that's usually where I will tweet out a lot of in- insights about the China games industry and then a few other things as well. And then we also have a, uh, a weekly newsletter which goes out, um, which sort of covers what's going on in China and Asia. And so if that's something of interest, then that, that can be found at the Nico Partners site, which is just nicopartners.com. And there's a sign-up option on there. Mm-hmm.